the semi-nude performances known as tabletop dancing are now commonplace in the city with the 12 venues in operation. Gee, some of these girls are gorgeous. You seen them? Mm -hmm. Love to do a story. <laughs> we can't be tabloid. We can't. we can't. No, we can't appear to be tabloid. That's why we do it for the right reasons. Which are? Hang on, this is sick. Hello and welcome to Narratively Speaking, the podcast that explores the power of story in all its forms, its role in society, and how it helps to shape the ideas we think we believe in. I'm your work in progress host, Harv, and today we have yet another guest in the studio. Uh, Angus McAlpine is, um, well, I'm not actually sure at this point, so we'll get, in, get into that in the conversation, <laughs> how he identifies himself now. Um, but recently he ran as a Greens candidate for my local seat of Footscray. With the awesome slogan, put a plumber in parliament, I reckon it could have, could have been a goer, but unfortunately his uh, campaign was derailed when the media discovered he was also a rapper in a past incarnation and had created some hip-hop tracks containing lyrics that contained shock horror, potential references to date rape and violence against women. Not that I don't take that stuff seriously, but you know, it shouldn't be mysterious that rap lyrics contain these things <laughs> occasionally. But as far as the media was concerned, toxic masculinity confirmed, life over, you're a bad person, you are unfit to hold office. And so on that note, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for the introduction, Harv. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I didn't know what to call you in the intro because I don't know whether you still identify yourself as politician, rapper, plumber. What do you call <laughs> yourself these days? Um, well, for better or worse, I'm always going to be a plumber because yeah. that's, the nine, that's the nine to five. That's of the breadwinner. Um, I think, I mean, I've never identified as anything but myself. Um, and even when I was running for the Greens or quite involved in the Greens stuff, I never said I was a politician. For me, that a politician is not actually a career politician until they have reached public office and they're paid. To and, do and, job. and taking their first bribe. <laughs> yeah, well, that's one way to look at it. Yeah. But that being said, I don't want to tell anyone that my definition is more right than theirs. Sure. Um, for some people, just being a member of a political party makes them a politician. And a lot of the blokes at work, when they saw how involved I was well before I was a candidate, would call me the politician just as a joke. Yeah. But um, yeah, for me personally, I never considered myself a politician because one, I've never run in a winnable seat. Sure. And two, I've never been paid to be a politician, a right. lawmaker in, in the sense of the word. So, And I'll always be an MC and a producer and a, a hip-hop nerd, a hip-hop aficionado. I still, you know, that's where the bulk of my funds go is towards just living and breathing and then also hip-hop records and, sure. and music and whatnot. So hip-hop runs through my veins and it always will. And I'm, you know, that's, uh, that's always part of my identity. Awesome. Well, I mean, I'm glad glad to hear that because I'm still waiting for the next album, and I'll, you know, uh, I've been sort of a, a fan, I guess. I mean, obviously, you know, my cousin's been involved in your music, so there's a link there. I would have to listen to it even if I didn't like it, <laughs> but um, I do actually enjoy it. So, you know, cool. I've I've I was a big fan of the, uh, the the first album when you first came out. I was really surprised, like, the quality that you guys were able to achieve without going to the big studios mm. and, you know, all that sort of crap, you know, self-funding for the most part and uh, publishing it yourself. So, 100%. And uh, the quality just kept going up with, 
the two subsequent albums. Is there only two now? Yeah. So we did, as Broken Aesthetics, myself and DJ Elevate, your cousin, mm-hmm. um, we made two albums, Broke and Still Broke. Um, the Still Broke came out, I think, around 2012 or, two, yeah, 2012. By that stage, L was living in the Philippines, I think, with you, or he was making, no, he, I think he was making plans to go over to the Philippines sure. with you. Yeah, I derailed um, that whole thing, didn't I? <laughs> no, 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 because I, <laughs> at that stage, I was sitting in uh, sunny old London, so um, you right. know, the album came out while I was overseas. So okay. we sort of started recording that second Broken Aesthetics album, I think, probably like 2010. Sure. 2011, and um, we were living together 2011, and we, yeah, by the by the mid 2012, I went overseas, and, and then the album came out late 2012, I think. Yeah. So one of the things that comes up in the news stories is, you know, you you've obviously been making a transition mm. from the person you were when you were rapping those lyrics, as opposed to the person that you are now. And I think the thing that frustrates me the most about the media coverage. Uh, of that that you received, I mean, obviously it was a stitch up, and I'm just going to put that out there because I, it just it's obviously a stitch up because I knew you well enough to know uh, that what they were saying is obviously not true. You know, you're not out there smacking bitches, you're not out there um, slipping roofies in in girls' drinks. So knowing that the, that that stuff is false, the fact that they tried so hard to misrepresent you as that. To me, it just means that you were a threat of some kind. And as you said, it's not, it probably wasn't a winnable seat, right? Barring some kind of miracle. Mm. So why do you think there was a threat in the mainstream media? Why did they bother? Were they trying to stitch up the Greens as a whole and, and reduce their ability to get the balance of power? Was that the idea, do you think? Uh, oh, look, there's so many. Yeah, that's definitely a, what I would say is a huge uh, motivating factor behind um I mean, let's not beat around the bush. The, this attack came from the Labor camp. You yeah, know, of course. The, leading up to the state election, um, everyone could see the Liberal Party was a shambles in Victoria. I mean, Matthew Guy was about as charismatic as a dog turd. Right. You know, he was. He was never gonna. He was. I can't. I didn't know anyone who thought he was a serious threat. Yeah. Yet until literally the the last weekday before the election, the Herald Sun was touting it like it was fifty fifty. Yeah. I, as someone who I would consider myself quite involved and sort of up to date with what's going on in politics. I, I was like, I cannot see. I mean, the federal Liberal Party was in such a shambles. They were changing leaders. There was, I mean, so much of our our political sort of sphere was dominated by leadership challenges and stuff. Well, this whole time, no policies or laws were going through, getting changed. No, that's right. And down here, the Liberal Party ran on this on this fear campaign that, you know, Victoria is the most progressive state in Australia. You yeah. know, it, it always has been. And this sort of racist, xenophobic sort of hate speech and and really sort of borderline fascist policies and direction of, of the Liberal Party down here, you were never going to fly. You so know? Is, the, is the Herald Sun in the Labor Party's pocket? I mean, is that how you would characterise this? No. Or, yeah, I should have asked you before we started, is there anything I shouldn't say? But oh, no, anyway, no, no, no. I mean, we're going to go there. I, but yeah. I mean, the print media is in such a shambles anyway. Anyone could feed them something that they think is going to be sensational yeah. and they will seize upon it to sell papers. I agree. This is their yeah. agenda. you know. And, it, and so going back to the original question, I guess – I'm a low-hanging fruit, yeah. uh, and I definitely believe. You know, this goes on to a further argument. I definitely believe in a political class in this country. I think. I think it's very exclusive. The the people that occupy that space. Yeah. Well, that's why I think your slogan was so genius. Absolutely, and and I think 
I think uh, low-hanging fruit, I'd never been dishonest and said that I didn't have a past. You know, yeah. I grew up with some rough-headed dudes. You know, I made a lot of mistakes. I got into a lot of trouble well, as a young dude. To some extent, you wear that on your skin with the well, tattoos I mean, and stuff, right? But the I thing mean- is, is like, how do you ever learn if you don't make mistakes? And, it, how, you know, there's that saying that's like, mistakes don't define you. How you learn from them defines you. And, and you know, I, I think considering some of the situations I, I was in as a teenager and, and a sort of young 20-year-old, I... It's lucky I didn't end up in debt or in jail, you know, like, uh, we, sure, yeah. you know, and, and that's, that's honest to God, the truth, you know, and, and I made those decisions. I, you know, I grew up in a, in a blue collar area, but it, it was still, you know, I, I wasn't deprived, but I made those decisions because those opportunities were around me, regardless of how negative they were. So where did you grow up? Cause you're part of like the sort of Ballarat crew, but Melbourne as well. And I, I, yeah, yeah. I'm not, not sure. I, I grew up mostly early years of my life when it was just me and mum, we were in Paran in the flats. Okay, well, Paran's twenty twenty now. It is, yeah. Well, it wasn't, you know, thirty years ago. No. I mean, it probably was. It was probably like what Footscray is now. You know, yeah, sort right. of a cool area, but there was still like cheap just, rent, just sort of rising up. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, we're in the Windsor side, and the old the old man was renting on Alma Road in St Kilda, which is still like okay. the heart of the red light district. Yeah, you know right. what I mean. And um, you know, this is in the nineties in heroin esque Melbourne. You know, and um, right. So yeah, and when I was a bit older, um, I think like. 95 we moved to box hill which right. similar thing was a gentrifying area you know there's still lots of pockets of poverty there but nowadays you know it's quite a really wealthy area great area to grow up in like i, I you know this, this is what attracts me to live in areas like footscray as well and mm. other places because the energy of an area with you know a transitioning migrant population and, and such a diverse mix you know you can't replicate that in like you know other parts of the world and i think yeah. it's really great and so you made a transition there right so mm. If the meter had bothered to actually listen to all of your albums in sequence, you can see the transition. Mm. I, I just did it over the last couple of days to mm. prepare for this because I hadn't listened to them for a while. And, uh, you know, you can really hear. In fact, I, I would say probably your latest album mm. was almost a direct apology. You don't say, I'm sorry, but mm. it, it was a direct explanation of your history and how you came to be there and the things that you've said in the past. Mm. You could have probably just played the album for the media in in response rather than make a speech because it seems to me actually i don't doubt you could explain it better yeah i, th- I think like i totally agree any level headed like you're saying yourself you just listen to them and you know you're not a i wouldn't you know not to cast aspersions but i wouldn't call you an avid hip-hop listener no so even if you can listen to that and and just go see the the transformation as a per- not even the transformation the growth as a, a normal growth of a, a young male yeah, yeah. you know I lived overseas for a few years and grew up and saw the world and and you know see the bubble of bullshit that we can sometimes live in in Australia and, yeah. and um but I think the problem with that is you know later on the media did start picking apart newer songs and all they have to do is twist a four lettered word around and mm. and suddenly I'm talking about you know hitting women and stuff I'm like so know, there was a later one. Uh, where you say um, smack a uh, choke a bitch, mm. and then uh, apparently the Greens retorted that it, the lyric is choke it bitch, and it refers to smoking marijuana and not uh, actually strangling women. Is that true? Absolutely, and I mean, yeah. and the, and it was also a play on words from a Dave Chappelle skit featuring Wayne Brady, right. where he Wayne Brady, you know, Wayne Brady was Dave Chappelle makes this joke that Wayne Brady's this really family friendly black comedy comedian. Right. Um, Totally unlike, you know, sort of Dave Chappelle's style and, and also like, you know, going to the past, Eddie Murphy and, and Richard Pryor and stuff. Yeah. And, and um, 
he does this skit where he catches up with Wayne Brady outside of the screen. Mm. And it turns out Wayne Brady's like this inner city, like pimp sort of dude. And he's like a real, right. you know, he shoots Dave Chappelle with an Uzi, you know, and it's like Dave's got like blood coming out his leg. And, and then he talks to these prostitutes and Wayne Brady's like, it ain't nothing for Wayne Brady to choke a bitch and shit like right, that. And, right. you know, it was, it's clearly so it's, comic. Like It's a know. reference to that. So I don't know. The, I didn't know the reference, but I knew it was Yeah, and then like if you watch our film clip, you know, I'm, half the song I'm talking about smoking weed. And yeah. then there's footage of me like pretending to smoke a joint in it. And I was just, it's just like, it's a play on word. But the problem is these journalists are so fucking dumb that they, you know, it's like, oh, I will read that like I am a robot, just that sentence on its own. And you're like. Are they dumb though? Or is there some craftiness behind of, it yeah, all? Of course. I mean, but. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's. They're duplicitous, no yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that's why I say if, if they'd even bothered, they probably did. And actually one of the great pleasures, I, and I'm sorry if I got pleasure out of your misfortune, but one of, of the great pleasures I got while it was happening was imagining a research team sitting there actually listening to your entire albums, combing through it for the, the little kernels of misogyny or um, whatever that they could find. Mm. It's it's a hilarious idea. Like these guys are just stiffs, right? Oh, well, forced to listen to hip hop music, they probably they probably were tortured by it. Uh, I wouldn't even say that. I mean, looking at some of the journalists, there there was a I think Melissa Hall was one of them, and she she was younger than I was. You know, you would think someone of a younger age is quite in tune with music. I mean, only, you only have to turn on a Triple J hip hop song on the radio to hear women referred to as bitches. And, yeah, exactly. You know, it's funny that the ABC were one of the hardest ones to go. I mean, it's like you. You know, you've got Jimmy Carr joking about pedophilia on the same channel. You mm. guys, you know, I can't remember if it was SBS. I'm, I'm sure the ABC's played Dave Chappelle before. I mean, the irony of that is like, uh, are you guys also protesting inside the ABC headquarters about Dave Chappelle's lyrics? <laughs> that's you know? right. And that's when you realise it, it's so it's so blatantly like cut and paste for them. Yeah. And, and and like you said, it's um, you know, it is crafty. It's um, it's willingly taking things out of context to push an agenda. Yeah. And Sometimes I wonder if some of the journalists genuinely were pushing an agenda or they were just being crafty and sensationalist to sell headlines, newspapers, and also make their name. You know, oh, I was the mm. guy who broke that, you know, broke the story about that foul-mouthed Greens candidate, you know. Well, I think, I think you'll – look, I, I don't have stats or whatever, mm. but I, I think if the trend in Australia is the same as it is in America, I mm. think the mainstream media is sort of losing its chokehold on being the authority – for all things news, because people are getting their news from YouTube, from yeah. Facebook, from other places, and there's uh, you know uh, independent media now that's mm. actually quite credible. Oh yeah, actually does probably research. more credible. I would well, say. they probably do more research yeah. than the mainstream media who are just reading from you know routers and uh, you know Associated Press and you know just taking press releases that are handed to them and repeating them, mm. which is probably what happened in your case. A lot of the language was very similar from different reports as well. Oh, got, they quoted exactly the same bits, you know, from the got, songs. Well, and, and the worst thing is, is that like it becomes like, um, you know, the, the whispers, it becomes like the quotes. Still to this day, if there's a sort of a topic about the, the Greens, every second article they'll go, then the Greens, you know, fielded one of the worst people in the universe last year, which was Angus McAlpine. And one of them the other day said, oh, uh, for some lyrics he wrote about uh, violence against women in 2001. I'm like, Pff. I was like 13 years old in 2001. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that is would it, be bad. That would be a problem on my parents. No, it wasn't. Like, I mean. So so she just got to say that without it. You, you didn't even well, get a chance to I read that. I'm not going to ring up the age and go, oh, by the way, it was 2011, not 2001. I mean, you guys yeah. are shit. Like, yeah, you know, that's like, right. But, you know, that's that's the standard of journalism is that like 
the print media, which is so iconic in film and in, in a nation's identity and in a city's identity, you know, the, the Herald Sun and the Age, the Australian sort of more nationally and, you know, what's the Sydney Morning Herald or whatever, you know, these are all iconic city Australian papers in the same vein, probably not the same sort of quality as like the Boston Globe and the, the Washington Post and stuff like that, that, you know, we we still believe that they're, they're a credible sort well, the uninformed public will still be happy to believe that they're a credible source of news and information. And you're like, these guys don't even have sub-editors anymore. And that's how yeah. these mistakes happen. Once upon a time, a mistake like that would, could cost someone's career. Oh, for sure. Nowadays, it, no one blinks. Someone's like, oh, yeah, well, that's, you know, that's a fact. You know what I, I mean? I look at uh, like the posts on, uh, on Facebook that come from apparently, apparently from Channel 7 News. Mm. And they're as bad as that like daily What's oh. it called? Daily news or whatever. Oh, the ones the on spelling your Apple. errors, oh. and they're all sensational clickbait. Mm. And I just think the the media is just desperate, absolutely oh. desperate at this point. They see the writing, the writing on the wall. They know that they're losing that kind of. I shouldn't say chokehold. They'll probably accuse me of choking people or something. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, <laughs> but they do. They have you know they, they they're coming from having a monopoly, and they're having a lot of trouble adjusting mm. to the idea that someone in their basement can record a podcast or uh, someone, you know, put out a YouTube video or whatever that actually has sway with people now. Well, and might actually have more uh, consumers. Yeah. You know, there's dudes in basements in buddy Buffalo, New York, that have a greater sort of followership than most city-based papers in Australia. You yeah. Know, well, what's you look the, at what's like- the readership of the Herald Sun? Are we talking a million a day? I have no idea. I mean, look, I, I Probably the numbers. the numbers they put out would be- Tainted in for their sure. favor. And yeah. you think about how many are just in stacks not getting sold, and yeah. that's considered red. But let's throw an arbitrary number out there: one million. That's what a quarter of the state, a fifth of the state's population. You know, there's podcasts in America that I've never. There's podcasts in Australia I've never listened to. I mean, we were listening to this podcast called "So My Dad Wrote a Porno" or something on the right. way back from. Really funny. I think I've heard of that one. That's it's, pretty popular, isn't it? Yeah, and it's just three English people reading out this dude's dad wrote an erotic novel. Yeah, right. You know, and that's got like twelve million followers. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? And that's not even news. Like yeah. you know, but so I think definitely, and these these people are doing it for free. Mm. You know, um, and which is an amazing thing. And, yeah. You know, I guess. You're right. These papers are in this sort of transition stage because who's going to advertise in the paper when no one listens to it? Just to be clear, you have no uh, criminal record related to assault on women or anything like that. So, I can tell you now, so, I have, I have no, I have two drunken disorderlies. Yeah, right. And which, I don't think they're actually criminal record. Which is really just a matter of getting caught, right? I should well, have a couple of I those too. Exactly, I just got lucky. I can tell you exactly what happened. First time was when I was quite younger. I got picked up by the cops in Ballarat. Uh, on a big weekend, off me face, um, yeah. chatted back to the cops. They don't particularly like they that. They don't like it, yeah. Threw me in the cop shop. Um, you're supposed to get eight hours. I only got four because I was well behaved because I'm not a fucking idiot. And, you know, we all know how the Ballarat cops treat people in the cells. So, mm. And um, the second time was, again, I was, I was in the city. I was about 21, I think, or 22. No, 22. Um, got into an argument with a taxi driver when he was driving us home. And I said... Uh, I said I wasn't going to pay 150 for a prepaid fare. He drove me to the cop shop. The cop has said, get out of the car. We're going to arrest right. you. drunk in a public place. And they belted actually, the crap out of me. Actually, nowadays, isn't that even more illegal for him to be It probably that? is now, but who catches cabs? Like, you know, well, so it's all Joke's either. on him. Yeah. His industry's dead. Yeah, um, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, um, yeah, I hope he's yeah, holding one of those million-dollar taxi licenses <laughs> that he can't sell anymore. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. I should have said, you should have taken, taken the 80 bucks, dude. But, yeah, um, exactly. 
But anyway, so no, I, I've had brushes with the law um, yeah. for being, you know, just an idiot. But um, yeah, nothing to do with this. Like, no, what I'm no saying criminal is charges, man, at all. They are no. stringing you up solely on your words and a very small percentage of the words. Oh, absolutely. Even, if you, even if you just take the albums, the, the lyrics in the albums, mm. I reckon, you know, you're talking about a 0.001% oh. of everything that you say. And, and a lot of that stuff is very uh, anti-establishment. Yeah. You're talking about how you don't trust the police. You're talking about how, you know, corporations are mm. running the world. You're talking about important stuff. I wish they'd played some of that, but no, that's not part of the agenda, well, is it? The whole the whole album in its entirety, every song in that was a reflection. Yeah. And, and and as we were saying before we started recording, you know, hip hop does have so many elements of, of, for want of a better word, bullshit. You know, there's a lot of bravado. There's a lot of exaggeration. It's, yeah. it's, um, you know, it's, 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 but it's, it's still like a, it's, it's drawn from reality. Yeah. You know, we wrote these lyrics and that particular song that they kept referencing, you know, the whole song from start to finish was a reflection on how gross the mainstream sort of idea, you know, of a, of a man in Australia is. It was, yeah. we were being as scumbag as possible that, there were elements in Australian society. That was the character in it, you know. You, you were actually, it's, it's self-deprecating in a way, right? Absolutely. Because you're saying, I'm this character who's a scumbag mm. who would do this kind of thing, mm. and then you have to say what the thing is, mm. and then they say, oh, you said that you put drugs in a girl's drink, and <sighs> it's just you ridiculous. Know, the whole album. Especially I mean, in context, like every single line, as you said, in that phrase, is phrased in that way. I mean, they, they included in the first report, they had ta- me talking about my if you can't see it right now, but I'm doing the quotation fingers of <laughs> my troubled past of, of of stealing police cars and ram raiding brand name shops. Right. I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be agreeing. I'd be probably still be in jail if I stole a cop car and ram raided fucking Louis Vuitton down in Melbourne. So yeah. you know that's ridiculous. How well that's the, that's actually quite literally slander. And the, you know the the line was um, ram raid these brand names. I'm a window shopper. Yeah. You know, like, how could you have taken- oh, I wonder what window shop is a reference to. <laughs> you know, like- <laughs> yeah. uh, and Even I know that as- Just as saying a- that out loud is, like, ridiculous. Like, you know, I mean, how could you write- Yeah, so uh, I want- I really hope that when that article broke, like, headquarters on St. Kilda Road are like, guys, wh- when did we lose cars and when were they ram raiding in Louis yeah, Vuitton? So we've right. got him. We've got him. You know, <laughs> we finally right? got him. You know, yeah. so- um. Check the footage. <laughs> you know, so I, I really do hope that I took up some of the police's time, you know. Um, it's just- boggles the mind that they would have referenced that and with a straight face. Like, mm. oh, yeah. You know, I also said I was um, the sickest of spit since Kim Jong-il. Mm. Now, I have no connections to the North Korean dictatorship. Oh, so. geez, I assume you did. <laughs> Fuck, okay. Because I was a bit nervous about this interview because of those connections. Yeah, you don't want to slander me off. You know, no, I'm, I'm no, God, I didn't, I didn't you know, want Kim like- Jong after me, obviously. <laughs> Despite being dead, probably by the time that album came. Well, out, even though. Daddy's scary, so you know, <laughs> you know, you, you, the, the North Korea. You would know if you listen to the twelve forty podcast. The North Koreans are one of our biggest fears, and they well, should they be. Are. They, well, you, they you, should. Be. Are you prepared? That's the thing. You know? yeah. Well, I suppose doing a doing a nice interview with me might get you on their side. <laughs> yeah, know, maybe so. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that this upcoming generation is kind of a, a threat in the sense that there's there's little um, hints of revolution in the ideologies? They're very sort of anti-establishment. They're more about uh, a more empathetic and caring societal structure, and these things are not what we have in, you know, in capitalism and yeah. and all of that. So, do you think there is something swelling up? Do you feel it? Hundred percent. I mean, um, a good friend of mine, Tom Tanuki, who um, he runs the Million Flags Patriot, and he he runs a sort of like a anti-fascist movement, I guess. Really, um, mm. his partner said it to me really great she said where 
we're almost in this bit of a transition period. And this might be a bit of a simplistic way of looking at it, but um, and- oh, I, I like simplistic. I can understand <laughs> well, it's that. To, it's easy to cop for me. I'm yeah. a plumber, but she goes, we're we're in a sort of transition period in regards to the general sort of sort of sphere of politics, in that you can have pristine, sterilized, raised from birth conveyor belt perfect people mm. sell you terrible policies, <laughs> but tell you they're good for you. Or you can have normal people who've made mistakes or even fucked up yeah. in their younger years, but they're a normal person, the kind of person you meet at the pub and you judge them on face value, your interactions mm. with them, and they'll sell you really good policies yeah. that, that they think will be good for normal people and not corporate backers. Exactly. You know, and then you've got the Liberal Party who just want to make you feel horrible all the time and too scared to do anything. But that's okay because they'll fix the economy eventually. They'll fix the economy. No, yeah. they'll, they'll return us to a surplus. A surplus. That's what people really worry So we can dive into our pools of golden coins. That's right. Know? It's all that debt of uh, fake money that we're all worried about. <laughs> yeah, yeah that'll never it. get paid back. I had a chat with an old mate yesterday who I haven't really seen much since the you know the whole event last year, and um, I said, you know, the thing that disappoints me the most about the whole situation isn't so much the mainstream media. I, I, I sort of, it crushes you at the time, but you don't expect them to be any better. Mm. But it's that people just gobble it up. They yeah. need their outrage fed to them. You know yes. what I mean? It's like, I can't go and search my own outrage. Yeah, I, need right. it, I need it hand delivered to me so I can go take the pill. Yep, sweet. I am pissed. It's just ridiculous. And, you know, I, I look at the media at the moment, they're talking about these African gangs and stuff. Mm. And um, I don't know where you sit on that issue. Um, but to me, it's just complete bullshit. You know, like I go onto the Victorian crime statistics website and I have some friends who are getting really racist over this stuff, mm. right? Like they're really saying, I'm afraid to go out, yeah. uh, out of my house now. And I say, well, I live in a, a hotbed of African gangs in Footscray <laughs> right now. And I walk out and I see these African gangs everywhere and I walk past them and they say hi and they're really <laughs> friendly and, and they don't actually kill me. And it's yeah. really weird, you know, because yeah. they should. They're way stronger and taller than me. You must be invincible. You must have you must have got the invincibility. I think I'm just intimidating. Yeah, you are scary. Yeah, dude. I'm pretty scary. Yeah. I think yeah. they know I'm tough. I'd probably I'd probably yeah. not not necessarily win the fight, but I'd do some damage going down, you know. Yeah. And it's just to me, it's ridiculous. I I know there's been some instances of gang crime, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't watch the media. I don't watch the news for this reason yeah. because I, I really don't want to feel manipulated every day. I find it too stressful. Mm. But I do know of of these, you know, um, isolated incidents that mm. you hear about, but the way they're hyped up in the media yeah. to make it all about African gangs, the Sudanese are, are the worst, or, you know, these kinds of things. It's not statistically uh, well, you just said supportable. It, you just said it perfectly, these isolated incidents. Mm. You still look at the prison population statistics and white people are the majority of people in jail in Australia, yep. you know, and- Isn't there yes. a stat out there that white, uh, that Australian citizens who haven't immigrated from Africa are two times more likely to commit a crime than the African immigrants? Look, I, I, I don't think know. I don't, you know, I, I guess, you know, and even just saying then what I just said, uh, you know, the, the majority of prison populations are white is still a really crap statistic because it's like, Australia is majority white. Yeah. You know, and yeah, you do have to look at the overrepresentation of 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 minorities in in certain things. But you've also got to look at the situation. You've got to look at the human facts, okay? Um yeah. like you said, you have some isolated incidences where some young people of Sudanese or some of some African migratory background have committed crime. Yeah. And you know, that should be dealt with as that incident. What, Absolutely. what led that like individual? Like every other incident. You know, now when does a group of young black kids become a gang and a group of white young white males become a gang? 
Well, you would know as, as well as I do, what creates a gang mm. is a society uh, not including Absolutely. a particular group of uh, or culture or whatever it happens mm. to be. And if, if Africans are, as fairly new immigrants are feeling not included in society, mm. then that's the thing to deal with. Yeah. You know, the crime might be a symptom of that, but Absolutely. having the media hype this shit up is not going to help. Well, it's actually going to exclude them more. Yeah. I mean, and, yeah. And it entrenches it. And so during the Footscray campaign, we did a, um, a young African workshop mm. um, where we just basically put out these flyers all over Footscray and Sunshine and said, uh, anyone who identifies as a young African person who lives in the Western suburbs, we want you to come along. We'll shout food and soft drinks and at an Ethiopian restaurant in, in Footscray. And we just want to hear from you. We want to, you can steer the conversation in any way. Yep. Uh, we ended up with this group of only about five young African women came. Um, three of them were visibly Muslim, mm-hmm. um, wearing the headscarf. And I couldn't get them to stop talking. And it was, I mean, I knew. I knew well, they're, they're double demonized, aren't they? They're <laughs> well, Muslim and African. Yeah, I mean, and, God. And, um, you know, I knew all this stuff that they said, you know, to some degree, mm. but I, I knew that, you know, these, these people are, you know, definitely getting treated differently to everyone else in Australia. Yeah. And, um, you know, but just to hear it from, from a real non-statistical, you know, an actual in-depth sort of factual description of what people had been through, it was horrific. These people cop it at school. Mm. They cop it every place they go that they congregate because you congregate with your mates. Yeah, and if you are, if you relate to people who are also black, who also might be from Sudan or Somalia, or parents are from there, you know, and and even that, you know, is a is a is a hard one now, man, because there's two different groups of peoples in a lot of those places, and mm. you know, so you congregate with people you relate to. I mm. I congregated with dudes I grew up with in Box Hill who listen to hip hop, and you know, also like smoking pot and skateboarding and stuff like that. But suddenly that that group of them becomes a threat because they're like, oh, oh, you know, the, these people, you know, and the media is out stigmatizing their their them for their skin and it's it's a horrible situation and it's, it's ridiculous and people you know, make all these arguments about it i was talking to a guy at work and he was saying um oh well because they come from a war-torn area harvey um that you know they're desensitized to violence so that's why they can come here and i said look there's there's cultural differences okay mm. I, i'm not going to tell you there's no cultural differences but what if being exposed to violence uh causes you to understand the impact of violence and makes you less likely to commit violence on another person. And he goes, oh, well, that's not, no, that's not how it works. And I said, how, why are you a psychiatrist? Like, Mm. you know, you've just spun a narrative. And I would put it to you that that's because you want to believe in what you're saying as opposed to you know anything about it. And I guess from my experience, that's what disappointed me the most was, you know, I I sort of keep the company of most people who would read an Apex Gang headline and view it as absolute racist filth. Mm. But then how come some people who on the surface I would judge as someone who would read that, the Apex Gang thing and go, that's absolute trash, that's an agenda, that's a narrative the Herald Sun wants to put on people. Mm. Why did they then read my headline and go, well, no, that fits a narrative I sort of want to get on my soapbox about. That one's true. Yeah, I'll get get points on social media for being pretending to be outraged about that one. You know, and I was telling my mate this the other day and because he's a good mate, he said, oh, there's that self-pity coming out again, which is cool. I don't want to sit here and sit in self-pity. But I do, it disappointed me in humankind's people that I thought were critical thinkers mm. who, you know, I had people who I'd done stuff with in the Greens, you know, for years. And, I, you know, if I, if I know someone for about, you know, two, three years as these people knew me, 
Mm. I'd gone and campaigned with them. I'd seen them in action. I'd, I'd, you know, I'd heard their thoughts. I'd seen enough of their substance to go, that person's a good person. Mm. Well, the Herald Sun headline's not going to change my opinion of that. No, that's but right. But for some people, it did. Yeah, and and that really that really hurts. That hurts more than I couldn't give a fuck what these. I don't even know the journalist's name, but you know these hacks from Channel Seven and shit. They were at the conference looking I at me down tell their you nose. A few. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're they're all standing there looking like they're better than me. Richard Willingham, what an ass he was. You know he he just latched onto something that was too easy and didn't do any real journalistic sort of investigation. But um, you know he's looking down his nose at me. I'm thinking. Yeah. Man, you're on the same channel as like Jimmy Carr. I yeah. think you sit back and laugh at his jokes about pedophile. Yeah. Why am I suddenly a bad dude? You know, but I guess I expect that sort of behavior from them because they've sold their souls already. Yeah. But when it comes to people who I thought might have been a bit more critical thinking, and and I guess this has sort of shaken my my belief in the left as a movement because I've seen a lot of people who just I I guess naively thought a lot of people who had the same sort of values as me might be a bit more critical thinking and. Mm. Turns out not all of them are, mm. and um, that really sucked. You know, we were talking before about whether there's a, a swell of a revolution of some kind that has a very, uh, like it's a, a form that's very hard to see, but there's a feeling about it, mm. you know, and um, I wonder what form it's going to take. There's there's always a point in a revolution where there's a moment, right? There's mm. the, the, you know, um, the refusing to get off the bus type mm. of moment, and I'm, I'm, you know, I want to see it in my lifetime. I don't want it to to drag its heels. And it seems like we had Occupy Wall Street so many years ago. What was that ten years ago now? God, yeah. And and that was like going to be a thing. And then it was like, oh, it just kind of fizzled yeah, out. Yeah. It didn't have any focus. They didn't know what they really wanted. They they knew what the complaints were, but not the solutions. Mm. But I think there is a focus on solutions now. You know, I mm. I don't know if Rodders has made you see the Zeitgeist film. Oh yeah, years ago. Yeah. So oh well, it's in it's. Yeah, it's in the album, isn't it? Mm. It's in the first album. Yeah, so um, he made me watch it. It took him about three years to get me to watch it. And it did change the way I thought, especially the financial stuff mm. at the end. But, um, you know, I, I kind of think that the types of shifts that he ended up talking about, Peter Joseph, who made that movie, they're going to require a massive sort of revolution. Oh, uh, just a complete, yeah. People completely refusing to continue to participate in the system. Yeah, I agree. Like, you know, I think a good example of, of where we almost are going is V for Vendetta. Yeah. You know, that's I think that's a really great film because it shows you it what is. rampant fascism and a rise of nationalism and that unfettered can go. Yeah. And it shows that just, you know, some well-meaning protesters, it took a revolution, you know. And I sort of thought, and I still think to some degree, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm a bit sort of, I don't know where I stand now, but I still think the Greens are one of the forces in polit the political system. There's some other, mm. you know, good forces in there that aren't just the Greens that are causing a, a radical change. I think I think if they really want to succeed in the next few decades, they're going to, well, next decade, they're going to really have to get a lot more radical. Mm. There's already those thoughts within the party. They're pretty afraid of being radical, though. I Sometimes, mean, the way yeah. that they had you respond was very, I don't want to say conservative, not politically conservative, mm. but it, it was very um, just admit it all. Um, say you're sorry, say you've changed, and and then hope they forget, you know. But yeah. but what would have happened if you'd stood up and said, no, I stand by all of those lyrics. Mm. Uh, it's art. If you don't understand the art, that's fine. I'm yeah. proud of what I did. Um, I, you know, uh, I, I I don't uh, I don't advocate uh, choking women, mm. but I don't disassociate from 
the mm. material. It's part of my body of work. Mm. It's part of my growth. Mm. And the journey of, of my growth is part of what's in those albums. Go buy one now. They're all on Bandcamp. <laughs> you know, know, like one of what, my- Did you consider trying- nah, a, I mean, a, you're a in the heat like of the moment and you're in that- you're, you're you're caught in that system, yeah. like you know. Um, and you had obligations to the Greek. I mean, like even you couldn't that, really take a. You couldn't experiment yeah, with mean, it, could look, you? They were really supportive. Look, you know, at, at the at the jump, they were like, "If if this is too much for you, you can resign." Mm. And we, you know, they said very clearly, um, "This is out of the Victorian leader's uh, office." You know, her workers and herself. They were like, you know, if you don't feel if your mental health can't take it, and and, I, and that's why I still respect them as individuals, the leaders and stuff, was they were so supportive about my mental health and that was their number one thing. And they mm. said, if this is too much, you can stand down and you'll be on the front page tomorrow and then that's it yeah. for yesterday's news. Um, I don't know. Now, in hindsight, I, I wonder if that would have happened if I resigned. I still think it was just it was just putty in the, in the labour lovers' hands. Mm. Um yeah, there was a certain delight in how it was all delivered, oh, you know, I think. She, you know, they said, if you can stand it, you know, we're willing to back you, you know, because you've obviously shown growth, you know, like you're obviously, you know, you spent the last three and a half, four years, like working towards, you know, I can't, I volunteered hours of my life on the marriage equality campaign. I've, yeah. I've protested in the city for refugees. I sat at Trades Hall. I sat at Richard Dentatale's office, at the Greens office, ringing people about marriage equality and getting told to fuck off every fourth call. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. And, and, you know, they, they saw that and they were like, if you're willing to sort of stand your ground, we'll back you. And unfortunately, this is the system that, that we're in, you know, that you but have I, to say what, you know, I, like, I, you know, I'm, what am I- I'm more in the, the camp of just refusing to participate still. And I, yeah, but I'd already, I, I, I'd I already respect, chosen. I've res, I really respect hmm. that you threw yourself into it and, and that you tried. I do. Yeah. I, I've never tried. I, I don't know. I just yeah. have all of these prejudices that make me think that it would just be pointless. Well, I mean, you've seen it. You've, it's and been, now I've, yeah, you've kind of reinforced really, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, not you have, yeah, yeah the but you know, experience. Like, yeah. I agree with you. I, but like, I, I, you know, I, I, res I really respect that non-participation probably more so now than ever. Mm. But, um, I guess, I guess at that stage, I'd already, I'd already committed to participating. Yeah, you got to play by the rules, don't you? You can't go play basketball and start kicking the ball and go, oh, "Fuck it, I'm, I'm playing my own game now." You know? Yeah, no, you've got to see You're it out, through. You know, and, yeah. and like, uh, my dad's a musician and and a you know a gas fitter and stuff like that, and you know, mm. so very similar. You know, and he's made a lot of fucking bad decisions in his days too, and, and a lot of really good ones. He he's been a loving dad, you know, and um, but he, you know, had he had all these old bandmates hitting me up, going, "Man, you know." What if you'd played a Nazi in a movie? Does that mean you condone Nazism? Well, that's exactly you know, right. Other if, other art forms aren't treated no, like you know, rappers. What if, what if Anthony Hopkins decides to run for UK Parliament? Does he suddenly endorse cannibalism? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's got an order of the British Empire and he played someone who eats people's fucking brains. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it really it tore shreds off my mum because she sat there and she's like, you apologise for all this shit you've never done. Mm. You know what I mean? She's like, you know, and-, and even L was saying to me, he's like, you know, when it was all done, because at the time, you know, L was hurting and he wanted to lash out. And I was like, you know, yeah, I said, dude, I you know, from that side as well. Yeah. And, yeah. and like, and I, and I totally understand his issue, but I said, for my own, you know, I just, I can't have you stirring the pot. And, nah. he, and it's testament to how good a person, a good mate Rod is, a brother, yeah, a that he one. didn't, because, you know, I think anyone else, he would have gone, nah, fuck it. I'm my own person. I'll do what I want. Mm. Um, but, you know, at the end, I remember he came over and we had a few beers and, you know, it was probably a week after and he goes, 
He goes, man, you fucking apologize for all the shit that the shit friends that we had did, not you. Mm. He goes, I always knew if I hung around you, you know, I wouldn't end up in jail or I wouldn't end up on ice, you know. And, mm. and we can't honestly say that about a lot of dudes we hung out with. Um, another MC I hold to really high regard, Billy Bunks. He, um, he, he did an album. Oh God, it probably is about. I think. I think the post I'm referring to was about ten years ago. Uh, sorry, the was celebrating the 10th anniversary of this this album he put out um, with a producer, Nick One, I think it was, from Brisbane. Um, and he's got a song called um, uh, The Devil's Clay, where basically he just raps about throwing shit at people. It's all <laughs> right. analogies of throwing shit at people. Yeah. And he he wrote this post going, did, did I, did I uh, go around throwing shit at people? No, no, I didn't. And he yeah. goes, did we write? a lot of songs that were horribly misogynistic and stuff. And he goes, yeah, but, but we- that, even that stuff, you're expressing emotion. You're not, ta- you're not advocating anything like a kid uh, who, who's, who grows up a nerd like I did. Right. And can't get women has a certain anger towards women for being excluded by the way that they select their mm. boyfriends and they leave you out of it. Right. So there's, there's an emotion there. It doesn't mean I'm going to go and murder a woman. I guess some people do eventually, you know, mm. like, I don't know, but then you've got like these Ted Bundy types who are killing women and they're good looking, you know, suave, charismatic yeah, guys. Sociopaths. So yeah. it, it doesn't make any sense to associate that emotion. Mm. And I don't know if that was the core of your emotion. I just threw myself into that. <laughs> I guess, I guess, uh, projecting you know, motivations behind that song was that growing up in, in, you know, Australia, we probably went to school with people who did think those sort of things were okay. Possibly. Statistically, we probably did go to school with someone who does do that, you mm. know, and it was basically like some fucking, you know, Johnny Rotten Sex Pistols type shit, you yeah. know, fingers up at everyone, let's be as disgusting as we can. You Absolutely. G.G. Allen type shit. Not as extreme as G.G. Allen, but, you know, we were writing songs to just like, imagine how trashy you could be. I don't know if you'd call it parody or satire, or I don't even know if it has a category. It's just shock rap though, right? It is, it's- yeah, to a degree, it's satirical, you yeah. know, because it's like, taking the worst elements of society and throwing them back in people's faces and going, well, you know, you can go sit here and look down your nose at all these people who do fucked up shit, but they, mm. they only do it because some element of our society, something in our, our mainstream identity causes some people to think that it's okay to do those things. Mm. So in a lot of ways, you know, these serial killers or rapists and stuff, they only exist because somewhere in society something has nurtured that, that belief to be okay or or mental illness hasn't been supported or or something you know I'm, I'm and in no way am i excusing any of that behavior but what i'm saying is is that they are products of our society well we also know that generally speaking most of those people are victims too themselves 100% usually you're a victim and then you victimize other people and it's a cycle that needs to be mm. broken yeah and i think as well at the time when I wrote a lot of those lyrics, you know, I was a lot more overweight than I was. I was fucking, you know, putting as many drugs as I could find up my nose and, you know, mm. getting absolutely blackout drunk, smoking like a chimney, covering myself in tattoos because I was obviously very depressed and I, I was the antithesis of what, uh, you know, society deemed as beautiful, I guess, in my own eyes. Like, that sounds a bit dramatic. But <laughs> oh, I think you're beautiful. Thank man. you. Yeah, well, that's all I wanted to hear. Like, <laughs> go now. Let's go. Let's, Cut, you know, uh, like- <laughs> we should have just said that right at the start. We could have saved a lot of time, yeah. But um, you know, I think um I guess I had some really low self-esteem and my my therapy to that was to do a big fuck you to the world. Which is quite often the first instinct, right? It's to say Absolutely. fuck you and burn it down and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. But then eventually, and I've seen this 
as as an observer of mm. your um, of your crew, mm. as at least one member of your crew, I see quite quite frequently mm. and quite closely. And there's been an evolution there as well. You're the only group of males that I know who get to say uh, "I love you" to each other mm. without funny looks. Oh, 100%, you know, like Rodders started saying it to me, and I was like. Yeah, cool. Love you too. <laughs> and but you guys are family. <laughs> and we're family and we yeah. don't say it to each other. And yeah. I know where it came from. It came from your your group well, because I've yeah, seen you say it to each you other. You know, and we've both we've both had times where we've wanted to rip each other's heads off. And well, and- I, I know Rodders, so of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but you know, I'm not I'm not in the center of that either. Like there's yeah. times where I've been a shit mate, you know what I mean? Or just a pain in the ass. And but nothing number one, I mean, it shouldn't be number one, but I guess number one, and it's very narcissistic, but you will never ever replicate the feeling of performing music on stage and having it received well. Mm. Like there's no drug I've ever done, no feeling that I've ever had besides love, you know, well, it is love, you know, it is and, love. and then to look at the, the people you're doing it with, you know, even if I, you know, didn't see like there's other dudes like Tommy guns. I, 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 I see him once in a blue moon, mm. but it's just nothing but love when I see him, you know, um, chains who was in synergy crew, yeah. Um. He he hit me up and he came. I hadn't seen him in in at least a year, and he hit me up. He said, "I'm going to come over to yours with a bunch of beers and let's get drunk." You know. And yeah. And I at the end of it, I was like, "Man, fucking love you, dude. Like, thanks for coming around." You know. Like, you've, and- you've got two songs on on your most recent album, "Don't Sleep." Mm. They're essentially just love letters to your mates, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, there's one called "Mates." Yeah. The other ones is it "One Love"? Is that right? Yeah, one. Yeah, love. one love. That's right. Cool. I gotta listen to that song again. I listen. One to love's song. great. I was just listening. It was. I had it playing literally as you arrived. Yeah, and it's it's and I stand by it 100 percent because um, during all of this, L's only reaction was hurt for me. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he was hurting for me. He, well, I think he, everyone knew that you were going to be the one hurt the most, no matter how. Yeah, but I mean, else. you know, um, he, you know, he was he was always just like, "Are you okay? Do you want me to come round? Do you want me to buy weed for you or something like that?" Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but um, you want me to give you something unhealthy to make you feel better? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, like other dudes, like Scott Skills, he, you know, I went round to his place the Friday after it all kicked off, and his partner was having a particularly stressful week at work. She, she works in quite a high sort of, um, she's got a lot of responsibility on her shoulders and she was like, Oh, I've had the worst week in, in the world. And Scott just goes, oh, I don't think you have out of this. Yeah, right. you know You're mean? not going to win this one. You know? And like, you know, Scott's not the kind of guy who would disagree openly in front of people with his, with his, you know, his partner. But, yeah. you know, he, he said, no, I think Angus can take the cake on this one, you know, but, um, yeah, man. I mean, I, I've got nothing but like Royals, you know, Royals yeah. held me down the whole time, you know, he, um, and as soon as I was ready to get, you know, now I'm back and I'm like, I want to get back into music. He's, he was right there. Like, let's hit the ground running, man. You know, and mm. that's love right there. And I don't have to see those dudes every day to know that. Like it, no, that's it's right. great having L around, you know, in the local area to, to, you know, vibe off that. And like, you know, L's one of those dudes I could sit and watch TV and have the fucking best time with. And yeah. same with Scott. But you know, other dudes like like Royals, I don't see as much as I wish. Like I see, I see Royals a bit, but like, you know, those dudes, it's all love. Bogues, you know, mm-hmm. like I haven't seen him in years. That's that's all love. And Chains, it was really good that he came over. And Tommy Guns, I don't see them enough, but it's all love, you know. And it's because they know the person I am, you know, and mm-hmm. they know they hurt. Like Tommy Guns was over in Europe when it kicked off, and he hit me up and he's like, "Dude, I was so worried about you." Like, mm-hmm. and that's. 
Yeah, and he he had mates that were hitting him up going, oh, when's Tommy Gunn's going to get sucked into this? He's like, I'm not even fucking joking with you guys about this. Like, I'm hurting for my mate. You know, I yeah. love him, and he's going through the toughest shit ever. When you were doing your um, speech in the media, you used a term which uh, which I am very skeptical about, okay. toxic masculinity. And the reason I'm skeptical about it isn't because I don't think it exists. Of course, it does. And it, is, it does describe what you were talking about. Mm. But it doesn't describe what you did no. at all. And I really hated that you owned up to yeah. toxic masculinity, like this idea. And the media at the moment is a very popular term, especially in, I think, in US politics as mm. well. It's just everywhere. Why is it not just toxic behavior? Why does it have to be toxic masculinity? Why, why does it have to be attached to manliness, having it's, these uh, negative traits? You know, like, I mean, I, I have behaviors that would be considered toxic toxic masculinity but i would never apologize for it yeah i I just don't think it's toxic i think you pick your audience you do it when uh, well you've just labeled it there haven't you you've got your audience it's you know unfortunately we we played into the labor hand with the toxic word yeah because then they just went greens are toxic Yes, Toxic exactly. Sludge, and it kept coming event, out, you know, and, it, and then it's repeated in the article, you know, every paragraph. And it, and it did suck because my mom was real. That really hurt her because she's like, "I was a single mother for a long time with you. You're not a toxic. You're not man. You know." Yeah. She goes, "I've raised you to respect women, and that that has been reflected in the relationships you've had with women. You know, um, I think if I was a real toxic bag of crap, my current partner wouldn't be with me. You know, and she's a very You'd very so. proud black feminist, you know, mm. and, and she wouldn't take none of that shit. And, mm. you know, I, I, yeah, I did unfortunately, um, you know, apologize for a lot of shit I've never, never engaged in, you know, and, um, and the irony of it as well is that a lot of the people who ended up in hip hop, um, and I'm not saying that there weren't some very toxic behaviors involved mm. in, in hip hop, massively toxic, but a lot of them probably fled the, mainstream uh sort of you know jock sort of lifestyle because of the toxic masculinity that exists in those sporting clubs and stuff like that sure and so yeah i definitely think it exists and i look i think honestly like um i do think as much as that was never my intention when i wrote those lyrics and unfortunately people have twisted those lyrics out of their way out of context and it can be interpreted as toxic masculinity. And I can't tell people how to feel about words. No, of course. And this is the this is the the beast, the the machine that is mainstream media. They are really the ones in a lot of ways portraying it as toxic masculinity because it fits their narrative. But you know, it was for, it was forty eight hours of just intensity, man. And and you know, yeah, no, like, I'm not criticizing. No, you for no, saying I hear it. that. And look, you know. Hindsight is 20 fucking 20. You know yeah. what I mean? I There's a million and one. You know, sometimes I wake up and think, why don't I just say you all you reporters are shit bags? You know, mm. like you guys are the ones out spinning this fucking apex gang shit. You want to look down your nose at me? Like, yeah. you know, like. See, I'd have loved it if you actually said that. But yeah, yeah but, you know, I <laughs> as well, I was still the candidate, you know, and, yeah. and I'm not going to embarrass. Like that would have been no, fatal for the Greens, you yeah, know, and like, like I'm not going to, you know, and I still hold this massive guilt about all these you know, Greens MPs that didn't get returned, you know, mm. and that's that's not entirely, it's not my fault at all, you know. It's, well, there was a candidate who actually was charged with sexual assault, right? So it, uh, you, were, yeah. you were a part of that story that he was actually, used to stitch okay, up Okay, just Greens. to clarify, and I'm not- Sorry, any, I, that's what I read in the article. Yeah, I don't necessarily so he, trust he, it. Um, he was accused of it. Right. Um, and the person, and it's entirely their choice, 
hasn't gone to the police. Okay. So he hasn't actually been charged with it. Oh, okay. Right. Um, he's Jeez, been accused so it of it. Just shows how the and, story and of the, the article Greens is. And the Greens reacted to it They straight away shut it down and they identified him. Yeah. You know, that guy now for the rest of his life will have rapist attached to his name. It's terrible. Um, and the person who was accusing them of that, that is as a, as a victim, as a potential victim, uh, you know, there are, we should assume that, you know, people don't just throw these allegations out for no reason. It is their choice to whether they go to the police or not. Mm. You know, if they, it is their choice to do with, with whatever that pain they want to do with that. And I can't, judge there's, them for that there's been some people come out i think dave Chappelle was one of them in one of his stand-up specials where he says you kind of have a responsibility to report it if it happens yeah and that, look, I, that's I mean, an interesting that's a that's risky thing to be know, saying at this point yeah i don't know if it's men's role to be saying that um it's, yeah, i know it's uncomfortable to, to hear that's for sure uh, yeah it is very, it. and and you gotta wonder if you know the uncomfort is because it shakes sort of our our beliefs in yeah. what's right and wrong I, well there's, know, there's some logic to it mm. without taking into account any human factors at all. Yeah. It would be nice if every single rape victim reported it and everybody got arrested. Yeah. And, you know, but like you said, you've just identified that there's so many issues. So many good reasons not and, to. And even even discounting them, there's there's the woman may not want to go through it again. You know? well, that's and the thing, I say it, the woman yeah. because, you know, ninety eight percent of reported rapes are the, the victim is a woman yeah. or, or a, a trans woman. Yeah. And um you know, they're the facts of that situation. Mm. Um, you okay, know, thank I you for correcting that. No, no, it's, look, that uh, is the I feel, impression I got from these well, fucking articles. You know, that's, so that's, um, I'm going to have to read it again and work out how they manipulated me into thinking there were charges involved because yeah. it said something along the lines of it was admitted or it was established or some sort of terminology. Look, that I, I don't know. I mean, look, there might have been more stuff that's come out since the election. I don't know. Um, as far as I'm aware that there has been no um, complaint to the police. Mm. Um, I've like I've just shut off from the mainstream media. Besides, like I, I read like the weather on the ABC app, you know. But um, I think the Greens' reaction to the complaint to them—that's where the, where the complaint went to. Okay. Um. So the yeah the the person contacted the Greens and said uh, I'm accusing this person of rape. All right. Um, of being a rapist. Um, and they they made the right decision. They stood the person down straight away. Yeah. Um, and they also um identified that person because they were like it's a really tough situation because innocent till proven guilty but at the same time there will be a cloud of doubt over every male candidate's head over the election period so you know we they sort of rock in a hard place and i think i think they made the right decision you know do you think the fact that the complaint was made to the greens party is slightly suspicious in the sense that it it, it could be politically motivated somehow that's sort of something um it'd be too speculative Way too speculative, yeah. and that shouldn't come from me. So that's you know how my brain I mean. works. That's why I'm a no, no. And it, they're, they're questions, you know. I'm sure a lot of people are asking. All I know is that it was reported to the Greens, and then it was in the Herald Sun. Mm. That's all I know. I think we agree there's some kind of agenda, right? But is the toxic masculinity stuff? Oh that- yeah, look, it is definitely. I, I I definitely agree that there is a level of toxic masculinity that has pervaded the Australian man's identity the, the mainstream yeah. male identity in australia you know yeah. and still does it's 100 you know yeah. all you have to do is go to a and and i will you know i'll happily say it is almost exclusive to white men yeah. um it's uh, i'm not saying it doesn't exist in in people of colors um communities as well but i think 
when I think about the experiences in Australia, it's the boys at the pub, it's the boys in a group, you know, it's the boys yeah. at the footy club, you know, all the most disgusting, like, lewd shit I ever saw growing up was dudes in footy or cricket clubs, you know, <laughs> yeah. showing each other their dicks, you know, going over and to Thailand and doing horrible shit, you know mm. what I mean? Um, doing horrible shit in Melbourne, you know, just being bags of shit. and. Mm. And it was all egged on. It was, mm. you know, who was the most manly of the men, you know. And um, Yeah, I mean, Australian culture in general is, it's got a, a bent certainly towards that kind of thing. But also just, if you want to be healthy in Australia, you're derided for it. Oh, like yeah. you, you started going to the gym, right, and mm. getting fit. I bet, I mean, people in your life would have been supported, but in mm. Australian culture, you're bucking the trend. You should be getting drunk every Friday night. Oh, 100%. You should be uh, eating pizza and not, uh, not every getting, night. Not getting drunk on like good stuff, like no. drink till you fucking throw up. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, like absolutely. Drink 28 stubbies yeah. of Aussie beer, you know. And Yeah, I mean, I, I tried. Like when I was younger, I, I held out till I was 22, I think, before mm-hmm. I started drinking. Yeah. And then I really liked it. Oh yeah, you know. So and I, now, I now I drink by myself. There's no yeah. peer pressure at all. I'll just and it's uh, really good fun. Like I obviously I haven't I don't go out as much <laughs> at the yeah. moment. Like I still have a lot of anxiety in like really crowded spaces. Do you get recognised around here because you yeah, have a couple of posters up and yeah, stuff? Yeah, I've had yeah. A, I've had a few people recognise me. Um, only one's been a negative experience. And what did they do? Uh, they just got up in my face. It was actually really recently. Um, so they dude. took it upon themselves to go up to someone who's essentially a, a nah, stranger. Nah, this dude was really he he knew what he was he was he was a button pusher. Mm. It was at my local pub, and um, and they were they were really cool when it all kicked off. They were really supportive. Mm. Um, so that pub sort of been a bit of a safe space, but um, obviously you can't control every dickhead that wanders in. But um, they were playing some really cool tunes that night, and I was like, oh, this is a sample from uh, a Jizza song. Jizza being one of the members of Wu Tang, and. And they're like, no, no, this is a sample from a Wu Tang song, and I'm like, I, I'm sure it's Liquid Swords. Anyway, had this <laughs> argument. He's this guy. This guy sort of sidles up next to me. He's like, no, no, it's from, um, it's from Wu Tang. I've got a Wu Tang tattoo. I'm like, dude, I've got Method Man tattooed on my on my arm. Like, you know, and he's like, oh, true, true. And, you know, and then he sort of goes, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm a plumber. You know, and he's like, oh, okay. And what kind of plumbing? And I'm like, oh, commercial air conditioning. And he's like, huh. And I, I should have, my, my suspicions should have been like peaked at that stage. Uh, but anyway, I'd had a few. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And the well, dude- considering that you were discussing uh, as if it was important where a sample came from. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. And, um, and, then he's like, and then when I asked him what he did, he's like, I, um, he, it was sort of like, oh, why would you ask that? I'm like, well, you just asked me. Mm. I'm guessing you're starting up some sort of conversation here. And he's like, oh, I just, I manage a bar in the city. And I was like, I've never heard of it, but cool. And then he's like, and then just out of nowhere, he's like, I'm thinking about getting into politics and I should have just walked away. Uh, yeah. And by this stage, my partner's with me. She's having a couple of beers. And uh, and I, I mean, I sort of knew when he said that, I was like, okay, yeah, that- this guy knows who I am. And, yeah. um, and I was like, oh, yeah, cool. And then he goes, do you think I should? And I'm like, and he goes, well, I'm a rusted on member of the Labor Party and, you know, I really want to get behind them because they're the best. And I, I literally, I, I should have just got up and gone. But, you know, I'm like, Part of me as well is like I should be able to have a fucking beer in public and not have someone yeah. be a fuckwit. He basically kept going, what, what do you think? And I said, look, mate, as someone who has been involved in politics and gotten their name dragged through the fucking mud over it, uh, it's not something I really want to chat with at the local pub about. And mm. he's like, oh, okay, okay. And then he goes, oh, can I just ask why? Like, And I said, look, you know, I ran for Footscray in the state seat and um, 
yeah, you know, some stupid shit I said in the past got used against me and it fucking turned my life upside down. Um, it was the worst time of my life ever, mm. you know, and I've, like I said, I've been through some stupid shit. And um, I said, I've resigned from the Greens of, you know, I, I don't want anything to do with it because I can't go through that again. Mm. And he started going, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember you and this and that. And he goes, why the Greens, man? Like, you know. And he, and I, you know, he just kept going and I just said, look, dude, I don't want to fucking talk about it. I don't want to talk about fucking politics. I just want to talk about Wu-Tang. Let's talk about Wu-Tang or yeah. beers or whatever. And by this stage, you know, the bartender's sort of like, over, you know, watching it. And I said, Got his finger you know, on the dude. button. <laughs> no, no, he was cool. He, he's like, he's like, dude, you know, I don't, I was like, I just said, look, dude, I don't want to talk about it, man. Can we just shut the fuck up? Mm-hmm. And he sort of, and I said, why don't you just go outside for a bit or something? And then my partner left. And he went outside and, and I sort of went to the bartender. I'm like, I, I don't think I was wrong for saying that, yeah? And he's like, no, 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 man. Like, you well within your rights to say that. Anyway, half an hour later, he comes back in and he's up in my face again. He goes, Jeez. I've just got to ask, like, why? Why not Labor and this and that? And I, I, like, I, I sort of lost it. I was like, dude, you know, fuck Labor. And he goes, what? And I said, no, nah, fuck Labor, man. Like, I said, what they did to me, the means don't justify the end result. Like, I, I'm a critical thinker i can appreciate that there are some good things the labor party does Mm. you know i'd much rather a labor government than a liberal one but i said fuck anyone in the labor party like i said if you endorse what they put me through Mm. then you can get fucked yeah and he's like what me get fucked i'm like yeah you know what fuck you man i don't care who walks in this pub if you want to get up in my face and try and tell me how great the labor party is and how i'm an idiot for being with the having run for the greens then what reaction do you expect me to have Mm. no fuck you like those people pushed me to the brink of fucking suicide. Like, you know, I, I had the darkest thoughts in my head. You know, I, it set me back years mentally. Like, mm. you know, um, it, it really shook me up and it shook up people who love me up and, mm. and people I love up. And, and I'm not going to have you. I mean, you can go vote for them and be a member and all that on your own. No worries. Go for your life. But don't come and sit in my face and don't pretend you don't know who I am when you, stri- you wouldn't strike this conversation up randomly. He was fishing that whole time. Oh, yeah. After that second interaction, you know, the, I said to the bartender, I said, look, man, I'm really sorry. He goes, nah. He goes, more people need to tell him that. He's a button pusher. Yeah. And um, Did the bartender know him from other- Yeah, he said he's a, 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 a habitual pain in the ass. Yeah. But like, not a violent dude or mm. nothing, but just, you know, apparently- A troll. Yeah, a troll. Like a he, real life a, troll. A, you know, just like that that mosquito bite that won't yeah. fuck off, you know. And he apparently goes around calling people baby and like, uh, you know, does it to people knowing that one or two people are going to go, don't call me baby. And then be like, mm. why? It's just a word. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm like, what a fucking loser. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, but um, yeah. So no, he was re- like, the bartender was really cool. And then I, the next day I, I, I said, I was going to fix up the bar urinal. It was fucked. Um, plumber. And um, the bar owner, who's a real sarcastic sort of dude. And, you know, he, um, even he was like, he goes, oh, you fucking lefty, greeny fuck. And I'm like, <laughs> whatever, man. I said, don't you start. And he goes, no, nah, I only said it because of that dude the other night. And I said, what a dick. And he goes, yeah. He goes, don't worry about it. And then I told him the story and he goes, well, you did bite. And I'm like, yeah, I know I bit. And like, yeah. even my partner was like, she goes, are you going to go ape shit at every fucking idiot? Because she goes, you're going to have a few more. Don't don't think it's over. Like, you're going to yeah. have dickheads say shit to you. And I'm like, yeah, I need to be able to just water off a duck's back, at, you know, but. It sounds still, like you handled it okay. To I make, think I did. Yeah. yeah. Like I made it pretty clear to the dude that anyone else in my situation who isn't as level headed as me 
probably wouldn't be so nice about telling him to stop. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think he realized that. Mm. And I think everyone who, you know, my partner and the bar dudes and stuff were like, he needs more people to do that because one day someone who's not as nice as you is going to punch his teeth out. You yeah. know? Well, like, it's a form of bullying for, for someone who's not physically strong enough to bully people. Absolutely. It's mental bullying. So, and, then, yeah. and, the, and the great result for him is if it backfires in his face, he's the victim. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so. then he can he can go and complain about it. To the yeah, and that's another. Get someone yeah, I open that box of worms. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. So um, I'll wind it up just by yeah. uh, asking, you know, what are your next steps? Um, I don't know if your albums are still on sale. <laughs> if they are, you should mention where people can get them because. <laughs> I think, uh, um, yeah, I mean, definitely um, like Don't Sleep and stuff is available and all the Grind Productions sort of catalog is available at Grind Productions uh, Bandcamp. G rhyme is in the word rhyme. So G-R-H-Y-M-E. So you definitely check that out. And we're going to have me and Royals already working on some stuff. And, and that's really cool. Like it's been really therapeutic. I've written a song sort of that basically condenses all of this podcast into three minutes. So if you, do, if you don't want to listen to yeah. us talk about it. If you've it, already stopped listening to this. <laughs> listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. No, but like, yeah, I, I, sort of, I sort of do three verses and I attack each sort of section. I would say like the first verse is about, you know, addressing the mistakes made or sort of stuff that I don't feel comfortable talking about anymore. but but also why I said those things then and and why eight years ago I decided I wasn't comfortable saying them anymore. Why, you know? And then the next one's about sort of media and the politicians and the, the sort of political class who, you know, used it all for their own agenda and completely took things out. Like it was just gross. But, um, Has it um, buoyed your sense of um, sticking it to the man? Oh, or, or 100%. Has it, so because what I was concerned about was when you start writing again that you would feel – I can't really say that anymore. Oh, no, right? no, that's a fair, no, that's a good question. There are definitely. I don't want you to lose your edge. No, no, I won't lose my edge, but I there's definitely things, it, you know, naturally now it comes into, as a defense mechanism, it comes into my yeah. head like, could this be used against you? And I guess every time that comes up now, I've got to weigh up, do I want to tone down my expression a bit just to be safe or, mm. or you know, but, you know, I guess as an adult, you've got to be able to explain your words and, I guess the more, yeah, but I it's get- pretty hard in a rap song, right? You, you, well, you're constrained by the form, by having to rhyme, by all sorts of things. But that's the magic of it. Isn't you don't it, get is to, it? you don't get to write like a. Well, I guess you could, if you wanted to, you could write like you know song notes or something <laughs> that explains. <laughs> by the way, technical. didn't really want to choke anyone at this point. <laughs> no, I guess. Um, I guess now I'm, you know, I'm 31 years old now. I guess I've gotten to a stage where I'm like, when I write lyrics, I'm like, could I? defend could i not defend could i explain these lyrics to anyone but you could have explained the other lyrics you don't get the 100%, chance right 100%, the media but, you know, gets that is gets that some bone. some of the old broken aesthetic stuff i wouldn't have that playing in you know at the christmas dinner with my auntie and uncle no whereas don't sleep i would 100% i would have that play yeah that's you know don't get me wrong i don't i don't not stand behind the broken aesthetic stuff but that was a um it was to a crowd that was a lot smaller then, whereas now I've, I've got a crowd I think about and I think there are people in the crowd who might have listened to bringing aesthetics out of context and gone, that's offensive. Yeah, That's cool. But Don't Sleep is definitely an album. I could say I would play that to anyone. Yeah, I don't think there's a single line in there that I would consider. Oh, you know what? No, there is. There is lines in there that people could misconstrue, but that says more about them if, than me. If they wanted to deliberately if misconstrue. If they wanted to. Yeah. And I could explain my way, no worries out of yeah. all of them, you yeah. know. So I guess that does influence it, but for me as a as a writer and a and, and a musician now, it's like that's sort of just good anyway for me. Like that's what well, I, I constraints want. lead to creative solutions, right? So Absolutely. under the constraints 100%. of not being able to say 
um, you know, typical sort of uh, gangster hip hop type stuff. Mm. You can't really say those lines anymore. You've got to find more creative ways to express yourself, yeah. which is probably a good thing. You're a I creative mean, guy, so it's probably going to turn out well. Ice Cube's not, um, you know, rapping about shooting and smacking hoes anymore. No. You know, he's, but he's still making pretty hard-hitting music. No, and there's too much of that anyway in well, hip-hop in it's, general. It's too, yeah, and, but I think if you listen to any Ice Cube music now, I wouldn't say he's any less of an MC. I'd say he's even better because he's really political now. Yeah. And he's in a position where he can be, and a lot of people will, will listen to it. And Sadly, a lot of people listen to it and go, this is really boring. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's an angry old man, but. Yeah, I guess so. Um, was George Carlin, but everyone loves him in retrospect, right? So, yeah, exactly. I, I think putting out those kinds of messages, my hope for your art is that you end up uh, continuing to track your philosophical and ideological progression. Sure. Um, thanks so much for coming on. Oh, it was a great God. chat. And uh, I just wish you all the best. Just keep doing what you're doing. I, I love it all. Word. Cheers. <laughs>